0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles wherever you are or however you're watching or listening, um, turn to Luke chapter 6. Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, we started a series called This Is Us. And in this series, what we're doing is we're, we're giving the core values of who we are as people that are connected to faith for life. And so two weeks ago, we talked about faith is the filter of our life. That's our number one core value, that everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that surrounds Surrounds us, we filter that through faith, through the word, and then and then we live our lives after things are filtered through faith. Uh, last week we talked about um, the second core value, the second core value. So we had faith is the filter of our lives, and then last week we talked about uh, uh, celebrating everyone's God-given uniqueness that we celebrate everybody's God-given uniqueness. If you are unique or if you see someone else who is unique, we celebrate that. And so our second core value is unity. Unity is important to God from Genesis to Revelation, and it's important to us here at Faith for Life. This morning, we're gonna look at the third core value of what makes Faith for Life, what makes us us? What do we value? What What is important to us? And this third core value, we're gonna read from Uh, Luke chapter 6, and to give you a little context here, uh, in in chronological time, Jesus has already obviously been born of a virgin. He's already um, gone through his his young adult life, and he's been baptized, and the Father has come and said he was pleased with him. Jesus had begun already to preach and to teach and to heal. He'd already done miracles, and because of some of those miracles, what had happened is he, he had done some miracles, and then people had seen those miracles and they had decided to follow Jesus. Now, not like we say we follow Jesus because these people are literally deciding to pack up or leave behind everything that they have and literally follow Jesus. So if Jesus goes over there, they go over there. If Jesus goes over there, they go over there. And so they have not just figuratively given their lives to Jesus, they just didn't give their lives to Jesus in their heart, but they literally followed Jesus. And so Jesus had a mass following at this time of people who were literally following him anywhere and everywhere that he went. And so, our third core value is community. It's community. And, and we're gonna say this in, in two different ways. First of all, we create community, but then, secondarily, we serve our community. And so, because Jesus had done what he was called to do because Jesus was doing what he was supposed to do in preaching and teaching and healing and going and doing the things that God was telling him to do. Because of that, there was a community around him. There was a community that surrounded him of people who followed him. Now, how does that apply to us today? When you do what God tells you to do, there is going to be a community around you. They may not all be following you, but you will be among other people that create a community. God tells us to do what? He tells us actually to come to church. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So if you do what God tells you to do and you attend a church and you 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 find a church to make your church home, then you are surrounded by a community, and that's part of who we are here. When you when you get connected to Faith for Life, one of the things that we say is we we're not just gonna empower you to follow Jesus, but we are gonna connect you to a tribe who cares, a community. But also when you go to work, whether you go to work for someone else or you're an entrepreneur or you have your own business, you are are surrounded by a community as you have done what God has called you to do. And God has called you to love your neighbor. (laughs) And, And if he's called you to love your neighbor, then you are already in some form of community simply by doing what God has called you to do. And we all find ourselves in community, in various communities, some that we've chosen, some that maybe have chosen us. And community is very important to God. But I want to I read from Luke chapter 6 in verse 12. If you, if you actually went back and read the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 6, you would see that Jesus is going back and forth with some religious folks about healing on the Sabbath or not healing on the Sabbath. And then in verse 12, it says this, In these days he, being Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus already has a following, he's already been preaching, he's already been teaching, he's already healed, he's already done miracles, he's having these arguments with the the, the religious folks and he just healed someone on a Sabbath and he he goes to a mountain to pray all night long. (laughs) And yet, sometimes we struggle with praying five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, Jesus invested an entire night in prayer. He specifically separates from other people and distractions and what's going on around him. And he gets with just him and God and he prays all night long. Now, I actually, I didn't grow up in church. So like an all night prayer service, never heard of it. Until I actually got connected to um, one of our other churches in Atlanta. And we would have some of these. We would have a couple times a year where there would be all-night prayer services. So when I was really growing in the things of God and really seeking God, man, I was not going to miss one of those all-night prayer services. But here's what I found. Everybody who went to the all-night prayer service didn't pray all night maybe even most people who went to the all night prayer services didn't pray all night. And, and I knew that was gonna be the case because there were some parents, and now that I'm a parent, I completely get this. They came prepared to not pray all night. They brought uh, pillows and blankets. They brought snacks and drinks. I think some of them even brought breakfast. I don't, I don't know, like it, it was amazing. Like they showed up with all this stuff and I just showed up with like me. I didn't know about all-night prayer. But then, you know, a little bit into the night, there'd be people sleeping. There'd be people snoring. There'd be people, like, acting like they were in prayer, but you knew good and well they were asleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, they're sitting there, their eyes, and then all of a sudden it's, in Jesus' name, amen. Like, you, you wasn't praying. You fell asleep. This is not a prayer service where they're just gonna come and have the church open and have somebody leading prayer and like go on. No, Jesus is separating and he is intentionally choosing to pray all night long. He is investing time to pray all night long. Why? What was so important? What was coming the next day? What decisions did Jesus have to make? What did this have to do with anything that God had called him to do? He already had a following. He already had a large following. In verse 13, it says, and when day came, he called his disciples. Now, his disciples are not what you may be thinking right now of the 12 disciples. These are all these people. Some of the the 12 were included in this, but this was way more than the 12. These are all these people who had heard Jesus preach and teach and seen the miracles, and they had decided to follow him. Disciple just means learner or follower. So he calls all of those people who were following together, And chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, who was called the Zealot and Judas, the son of James and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus spends all night, he invests all night in prayer to choose his community, to intentionally create community. He already had one community, but he needed a deeper, more intimate, more connected community. And the only way that he knew to create that was to invest time in prayer, a significant time in prayer. See, we're all surrounded by people. We're all in community. But we all also need to create community that is in a deeper level, in a more intimate and personal level. But that can be dangerous. That can be painful. We can get that wrong. And we often do. And because of that, we become shy from creating community again Because of that, we become hesitant from opening up to people again Because of that, we just keep people at arm's distance Or even go as far as to say, I just don't really like people Why? Because you chose to create a community That you did not invest time in prayer before creating And there are people that are in that inner circle In that community that shouldn't be in that community It's not because community is bad. It's not even because people are bad. It's not because God doesn't want you in community. God clearly wants you in community. You can go back to Genesis. It is not good for man to be alone. All the way to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation. God makes it clear that we are to love him with everything that we have. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Community. God is in community. The Father, the Son, and the holy Spirit it 's a community. a community is eternal and, and, and for us yes we 're surrounded by a community of people in church, in school, maybe in the community, on your job we 're surrounded by people that make up this this, um, this surface level community in our lives, but we Must as believers and the people here at Faith for Life, we are people who create community at all various levels. And so the men at Faith for Life, we are people who are willing to invest time in prayer to to see who God wants us to open up and be completely vulnerable to. We are men who celebrate each other. We we are men who pray for each other and help each other and sharpen each other and disciple each other even. The the women here at Faith for Life, it's another group that celebrates each other, that is intentionally in community with each other, that, that, that will help and pray for and encourage and step in when needed to do what is needed to be in community. There's people in your life that you need to spend some time praying to see which community they need to be in concerning you and your family. Are they in that outside community or are they in that inside community? But us here at Faith for Life, we are people who create community. We don't just wait for community to happen. We are people who show ourselves friendly that we may have friends. We are people who we may not all be outgoing. We may not all be comfortable walking up to strangers, but we are people that put what God wants above what we want. And so what that means is when we see people, they're either a brother or sister in Christ. They're either already in our family of community in the body of Christ, or there's somebody who needs to be. And we're willing to, to maybe not spend all night in prayer in that moment, but to invest time in prayer to see, God, I'm encountering this person. Uh, Are they in any community that I'm in or do they need to be in any community? Is there anything that you want me to say? Do you want me to pray for them? Is there something you want me to give to them? And and we are people who intentionally create community. But that's not it. Jesus, after this, after he chooses these 12, and and this is amazing, he, he, he invests all night in prayer to choose these 12 out of all these people. And it would seem as though if you know much about the Bible, that he at least got one wrong. <laughs> I mean, he, he spent all night in prayer and chose Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. I don't think he got it wrong. It's part of God's plan. And I think that there will be people that are in your community at various levels that at times will hurt you. They'll disappoint you. They may bring a mob to your doorstep. They may betray you. They may steal from you. All the things that Judas did to Jesus, but Jesus still chose him. And not only did Jesus choose him, but Jesus knew that was coming. He had studied the scriptures. He knew what was coming and he still chose Judas. He still chose to love Judas and he would have forgiven Judas. Absolutely, positively, he would have forgiven Judas. As long as the people in your community are there in your mind for your benefit, you will be mixed up. You will be out of line. There are some people in your community that'll hurt you and God will tell you that they need to go to an outer level of your community. But there are other people that will hurt you and God will clearly tell you to keep them close. We're to forgive all, but restoration and and proximity and openness Doesn't happen the same with everybody. When you read through the gospels, Jesus would go, he would tell a parable, he'd tell a story and to the crowd, to the outer community, that's all. And then he would leave. And he would go back with this inner community, these 12, that he spent all night in prayer to discern who they should be. And he would give them greater levels of access and greater revelation. And that's a picture for how we should live our lives. We don't don't tell everybody everything. We don't give everybody everything. But there should be an inner level of community that we do open up and are completely vulnerable and completely honest and willing to give our last to. We don't just create community. Jesus, after he does this, he goes on to to preach to not just the 12, but to the entire crowd. He preaches to them. Um, If you go to Matthew chapter five and read these same verses, uh, this is often called the Sermon on the Mount, but I wanna pick up in verse 30 because verses 30 through 35, Jesus says something really important here. After investing all night in prayer and choosing the 12 to become apostles out of all the disciples, he says this, And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. <laughs> now, there's, there's a lot in this, but the expectation that we have is really, really key in these verses to give to someone who begs and don't demand anything in return deals with our heart, deals with the motive, deals with the expectation that we have when we give. To to, to do to others as you would want them to do to you, deals with the expectation that we have that others would extend to us forgiveness and grace, just like we have to choose to extend to them. Uh, To love those who who, um, are gonna give you some kind of benefit in return, deals with our expectation, deals with our motive, deals with our heart. And throughout these verses, he's talking about sinners, that even sinners do this. Even people who are not in the community of the kingdom of God do these things this way. And one of the things that we have to realize, not just in these verses, but in our lives and in culture today, is that people who are outside the community of the kingdom of God do not set the standard They don't raise the standard, they they don't set the bar. They are not the standard. In the kingdom, we set the standard. We should be the people that are most generous, the most forgiving, the most uh, uh, willing to put our hands and feet to work to help somebody in need without expectation of return. And I wonder right now, in this very moment, If the body of Christ is doing our job, talk about who are we at Faithful Life, this is us. We are people who will love you without any expectation of love in return, who will give to you without any expectation that you will give back and who will do good to you without any expectation that you'll return the favor. This is us, community is our core value. We create community, but we also serve our community. When I, when I finish this, in verse 35, it says, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Now, let me just say this really quickly, because this is the second time we've read this. Like, if you lend, but you don't expect them to pay you back, to me, that's not really lending that's giving, <laughs> you know, like, like to lend is actually to re- expect something in return. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. this. This outlines for us how we serve our community. We love, we do good, and we give. We love, we do good, and we give. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil, man, we are people who create community and we are people who serve our community. We love our community. We do that in a lot of different ways and we will continue to do that and we will get better and better at doing that. We will do that corporately and we'll do it individually, (laughs) but we don't just love them. We do good to them. We we are willing to help. We are willing to put our hands and feet to what needs to be done in the natural. And we will give to our community. We will give resources, finances, time, wisdom, opportunity. Whatever we have to give, we will give to our community because God has called us to. This is us. We, we, We are people that faith is the filter of our lives. We are people that honor unity and and celebrate God's given uniqueness in everyone. And we are people that value community. We create community and we serve our community. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.